How do you fall like a superhero? Do superheroes even fall? Of course, they just always find a way to get back up. This is the How to Fall Like a Superhero podcast, where we talk money, mindset, and your kids. Time is money, right? So let's get down to business. I'm your host, Christina Lee. Like you, I'm a parent. I have two school-aged boys, and I'm looking for guidance on how to teach them about money. But I need help. So every week, I'll be speaking with an expert, asking questions, and getting advice. So stick around. In this episode, I'm speaking with Anthony Delani, author of the Owning the Dash series of kids' books, which includes stories about delayed gratification, the basics of budgeting, risk versus reward, and supply and demand. Here's our interview. When did you start talking to your kids about money? Um, I started pretty much as soon as they could understand what money was. Uh, So um, at a very, very early age, uh, they started to want to learn how to uh, basically act like their parents. Uh, so uh, kind of when you, when it came to growing to the grocery store or preparing meals or things like that, they wanted to kind of take on those roles. And as soon as they started to do that, I wanted to show them kind of how money uh, was part of that mix. I've been in the financial planning industry for 20 years and I've seen, I've worked with families almost exclusively throughout that time. And uh, one of the big misconceptions is the idea of talking to your kids directly about money as a thing. And uh, you just pointed out money is more of a tool. Uh, so it really, um, <clears throat> it's very hard for, for especially little children to understand money um, by itself because they can't earn it. They don't per se have it. Uh, so when you try to explain things just in terms of money, it doesn't really make a lot of sense. But when you, uh, as you point out, um, children tend to, to monitor and learn from the things that we do and how we act with our own money. So when we go to the grocery store or when we go uh, go to certain activities and we spend money or use that tool, how do we use it? And what's our behavior like around it? Do we like talking about it? Do we, do we not talk about it at all as parents? Um, those behaviors are things that, that children pick up on very, very quickly. And uh, the, the, the sooner we can start making money as a tool, part of a conversation that is, you know, it's not scary. It's just like brushing your teeth. It's just something that is there and it's important to do. And we understand why we do it and why we, why we need to earn it and why we need to make sure we you know, pay attention to what we do with it. It makes, uh, as, as children get a little bit older and start to be able to earn their own money, uh, or at least better understand it, it makes those kind of life lessons a lot easier to understand. So what do you say should we be aware of when talking to our kids? Yes. Um, so with, with kids, um, uh, one, just because you tell children what to do does not mean they will follow that, that lesson. Uh, so I think the most important thing as a parent uh, that parents need to be aware of is just what they're doing themselves are they being honest with themselves and if they're if they're telling their children to do one thing but they're not doing it themselves um that that's a recipe for uh trouble uh, down the road the fear is often because of unknowns uh the fear is because of being unsure of how things are going to be interpreted whatever it might be uh, a lot of times fear is just the the worry of what if 
And sometimes if you just approach it head on and actually you know, make topics of money or things that may be a little more awkward to talk about, just make them more casual conversations. Sometimes as an example, you know, children can't understand why certain families get this and other families don't, why certain families make more money and others don't. It's not something, if you approach that as though something we don't want to talk about or we're ashamed or we're fearful, then you're almost ingraining into the children that, uh, that, that they should be fearful of it as well. And they should not want to talk about it and shouldn't ask questions, which means that they'll possibly have those same fears and anxieties in the future. Um, but as adults, if, if we can get over those fears and, or at least re- first off, recognize them uh, and say that I, I recognize that this is hard for me to do. And it's not per se a good thing. Uh, I mean, we, we, we all have fears. Everybody has fears. Everybody has worries and concerns. And the, what we most individuals are told is you have to at least recognize those fears right from the get-go and um, try, try to at least you know, approach them as an adult and don't allow your emotions to get the better of you. Because that's, that's the other thing that children pay attention to more than anything else is they, they don't understand per se all the concepts around money and, and so forth, but they certainly pay attention to the emotion that parents have around money. So if, if parents are, are showing anxiety and frustration and tension, um, that's and, and it's it's unavoidable. We all have those moments, uh, but the sooner we can try to at least be mindful of that, and uh, if we are having a difficult moment as it relates to finances, it's okay to talk to the kids about it. Uh, it's okay to for kids to understand that you know parents have difficulties with money too, um, but it's also something where the parents need to at least those are the critical moments where if we can show the children, I'm going to take this on. I'm going to not hide or avoid this conversation. I'm going to try to address it, even though it's very frustrating for me right now. Um, uh, those emotions are what children really learn from and pay attention to. So in, in situations like that, when uh, you are experiencing challenges, do you, uh, I think some parents might fear passing on the stress, take the stress upon themselves. Should you still continue with those conversations? So uh, it, it's definitely on a per circumstance basis. Some things uh, it's important to share with children kind of the why of you know, what's going on, but you know, it, it goes it's at a parent's judgment into how much in depth uh, we really need to share about that situation. Meaning that if you're having something where the budget is tight this month, uh, it's important for children to understand that maybe we can't buy that toy this month or we can't um, uh, you know, go out for ice cream or whatever it might be and understand that that's okay. You know, there are some months where we can do that, other months where we can't. But to go into a full conversation on all the specifics of why, that could be an overload for a child. So I think that it it really depends on the age of the children and their understanding of, of money and so forth. But at a basic level, it's more so just about helping children to recognize that even as adults, we have emotions and um, we don't need to kind of divulge everything, but we also don't want to make money a taboo topic. We don't want to make it something that we don't talk about or don't recognize. Uh, it's kind of finding that middle ground that's really important. And 
for, for the children, they'll be interested. Uh, but if they see that that topic is becoming something that's really tense or frustrating uh, and we're not, it's not a constructive conversation, it's more of a frustrating conversation, then they're going to take that lesson away. So I, I think that the, to answer your question really directly, it's if you're going to talk to the children about it, try to make sure it's a constructive conversation, just a uh, here's why and here's what's going on and do it in a calm manner. If you find that you're not in a position as an adult to be able to kind of have that calm conversation about what's going on, then wait till another time when you can do that. Uh, but don't avoid the topic altogether. So in our world of Netflix, Amazon, Google, it can be challenging to reinforce the idea of delayed gratification. So what are your suggestions for putting this into practice? Uh, sure. So a lot of times we tend to learn not from what people tell us to do, but from experiences ourselves and from uh, either experiencing the item directly or experiencing it through through what we see or, or what we learn. A lot of times parents are focused on trying to teach when it comes to things like money about you know, the fun stuff like um uh, trading stocks or how to invest or how to make money really quickly, because that's a lot of times what you see on TV. You see people that are famous um, or are celebrities and they uh, their circumstances are unique and very <laughs> unlike the norm of society. Uh, but we see them so often that we start to feel like they are the norm. And then we get caught up in the hype. We get caught up in the fad of whatever it is um, that's going on. So uh, a great way to start talking to kids about um, kind of the uh, the reality of life uh, is to have them just be part of your reality. Uh, try to, if you can, limit uh, those distractions where, when it comes to, if you see, uh, obviously social media has, it's part of our lives and there's no way to kind of completely eliminate it. But if um if there are certain influencers or personalities that are um, not giving being the best of role models, uh, that's something to talk to the kids about and talk talk about why. But more importantly, it, it's also really important for the kids to realize that hey, these are the important things that our family's doing. So, um, like, like uh, when a family does go through the budget, or if they're sitting around the dining room table together, if they if they have a chance to have dinner as a family. Um, being able to just kind of talk about here, here are the things that are on our budget for the week. It might sound like a boring conversation, but if you can turn it into a game and you can make it fun, a, a lot of times, even as little kids, little kids love to play grown up. So if, if little kids can have that responsibility put on them where they get to give their input and their insight, if they can go to the grocery store and you can turn that into a game where say, hey, here's what we have to spend. Why don't we go around and see what things we can get and uh, find out if it's uh, what they come up with and then say, oh, by the way, we need to have these things. We need to have bread. We need to have this. We need to have that. Uh, all of a sudden, it's it's a challenge for the kids where they feel like they're, they're getting responsibility that they really want. Um, and they're not being told what to do. It's, it's fun. It's exciting. The other thing, the way to teach uh, young children, the way I've learned uh, is that uh, through storytelling. I created Owning the Dash and the Owning the Dash kids books as a way of just presenting stories or creating stories that teach some of these fundamental life lessons. 
Uh, each one of my, my kids' books, it talks about things like delayed gratification or why parents work uh, or how emotion influences our decisions. And sometimes when parents and children are reading those books together, it, it's, it's a great way to get a conversation started. It's a great way to talk about how this character in the book experienced this and how do you think they should have reacted or how would you react if you were in their situation? So a lot of times storytelling and doing things just that bring us together are really the best ways to have those teaching moments. I noticed that in uh, your first book, Dash, Dash and, and, and the Jelly Bean Game. Right. You don't really speak about money. You're using the jelly beans instead. Yes. So going back to the point we we're making earlier, the children at a very young age don't really understand money in and of itself. They don't have, they don't have the ability to earn it. They don't, they might have some sitting in a piggy bank, but they don't really know for say why at, at, at a very early age. Um, it's, it's, it's more of a thing and, uh, but, and they, they can't understand the value of it, but other things that at that age in life, they can understand uh, as an example, they can understand candy. Candy is something, well, and you know, for every child, it's different, but for a lot of children, understanding things like jelly beans. Some kids have their favorite jelly beans. They might have a favorite color or favorite size or whatever it might be, or any other type of candy for that matter. And so with Dash and Nikki and the jelly bean game, the, the story is based off of a, a scenario where a, a brother and sister be, wake up one morning and they are giving a no given a note. And the note invites them to play the jelly bean game where they each start off the day with 10 jelly beans. And throughout the day, if they can hold on to those 10 jelly beans, every hour that they can hold on to them, they get five more. And what we get to see in the story, going back to kind of living through the characters, we find out that one of the siblings uh, likes to win and uh, wants to get as many jelly beans as possible. So that, that sibling stores up all of their jelly beans, whereas the other one is a little bit more impulsive and after about a few minutes eats, uh, eats hers right away. Uh, so what we see throughout the story as it goes on is that the, the sibling that saved got to see their pile grow and grow. Whereas the sibling that um, ate hers, they, they, you know, they got to watch the other person grow and grow and feel the frustration and sadness and, and envy and whatever it might be. Uh, now, the good news is that the, the one who saved decided to help out uh, his sibling, and there's a great twist that happens at the end of the story. But really what it's supposed to do as, as children are reading this is they get to see kind of, if I don't do this now, here's what it can become. That little pile of jelly beans can grow into a really big pile of jelly beans. And the jelly beans, is going back to what we were saying before, is something that the kids can understand. They, they can see how much, they can sense and Kind of embrace how much joy it would feel to have all those jelly beans. Whereas if you said they had, you know, $30, they might not really understand what $30 is. But you know, 50 jelly beans compared to 10, that, that sounds really exciting. So so yes, the idea is to try to find ways to relate to young children in a way that they can relate, they can sense the emotion and the purpose uh, and the excitement that uh, the characters are feeling. So that when they do get older, those jelly beans, all of a sudden, they can apply that, that the jelly bean lesson to money in the future on, hey, if I save, my $10 can grow into a much larger amount. And I think that one thing that uh, a lot of parents try to teach children to do when they can start making money, and not necessarily making it, but when they're gifted it through through uh, birthdays or things of that nature, or maybe they have a, a small job or they get an allowance, whatever it might be, 
is uh, a lot of parents you know, say, Let, let's put it in a piggy bank. And that, that's kind of the, the initial way of trying to teach them to save money. Now, as years have passed, one approach that's been introduced is the idea of uh, save, spend, and give. So having three different piggy banks or three different buckets and saying to the children, we're going to put this amount into your save, this amount into your spend, and this amount to your give. And then talking to the kids about the purpose behind each of those buckets. So saying that the save is for things you want to get in the future. And maybe talk to the kids about what those things are. Give them a vision. Give them a, a chance to say, uh, this is going to be saving for a bike I want in the future, a really big item that I may want down the road. Whereas the spend is, um, this is my money to spend now on things that I want. If I go to the grocery store with mom or dad and I you know, see something that I'd like, with their permission, I can use my money to get it. And then finally, the give part. The give part is something that uh, is, is an important part to introduce at an early stage of life, just kind of understanding that some individuals do have and others don't. And if we can teach children to, to, to give when, to those that aren't as fortunate uh, at an early stage, then they can be mindful of that. Like, who do they want to give to? How, who do they want to support? So Save, Spend, and Give has been around for a little bit of time. But the big lesson I incorporated in with, with my own children that I think is really vital is going back to the idea of giving them ownership in their decisions. So a lot of times parents say, you get to choose, uh, or we're going to put this amount in this, this amount in there, or a third, a third, a third, or whatever the amount is into these three different buckets. Uh, with my children, I gave them the ability within certain parameters to, to choose how much they wanted to put into the save versus the spend versus the give. And the reason I did that was I wanted them to feel more ownership in their decision-making and what that, the purpose behind each of those buckets and what they were going to do with that money. So one of my children is a bit more charitable. So um, the, the, uh, she, uh, my daughter, wanted to um, be, be more of the giving. Uh, my son is a big saver. So he wanted to save uh, as much as he could. So he put a bit more into the save. Now they have to put a little bit into each, but um, having the ability for them to be, be able to say, I'm in control of the decision that goes around what happens with this money. Um, it, it gives them more of a sense of, purpose and connection to it versus just doing what mom or dad are, are telling, telling me to do. So I think the more kids can feel like they're connected to what they're doing, the more invested they'll be in it. So along those lines of feeling ownership and making their own decisions, it comes with making mistakes. Mm -hmm. So what are your thoughts on allowing kids to make mistakes and not <laughs> interfering too quickly to influence their decisions? Absolutely. We learn from our mistakes. Um, and parents we always want to protect our children and we want them to be safe and we want them to be uh, nurtured. But part of a role as a parent is to um, prepare them for when we're not there and when they have to make decisions on their own. And the safest place to make mistakes is when parents are nearby and can help, but, you know, it's also really important for us as parents to give them the chance to, to learn from those moments, to make those mistakes. Now, the more mistakes, not, uh, to an extent, the, the more safe mistakes they can make at an early stage in life, the more prepared they'll probably be down for down the road. So mistakes when it comes to money could be possibly spending that money in the spend jar on something that they know that the parent might know is, is not a good thing to spend the money on. Um, 
uh, something that will get wasted or thrown away or not used the next day. Uh, and then when the child says, um, you know, find something a few months later that they really want, they don't have money there for it. There's the, a lesson learned. And it's not something where we, uh, another important thing for parents to understand is with those mistakes, uh, we're not trying, we're help, we're there to help them. We're help, we're help, they're meant to help learn and not to criticize. We're the worst thing we can do as parents is tell people how belittle them for their decision making. Uh, here it goes back to fall like a superhero. Just the idea of we all fall, which is such a brilliant idea. I love it. Um, uh, and uh, if we are treated like when we fall like we are bad people or made a poor decision or whatnot uh, and we're not giving constructive criticism on you know things to think about for the future or maybe just discussing why you're feeling uh, why you fell uh, you can't become a superhero so as much as it's the child um, needing to experience those different things in life it's also the parent's job to be their support but not be their crutch so be there to help them along the way and give them guidance, but also allow them to learn and to fail. And that applies in money. Uh, that applies in uh, in health to an extent. What what do you allow them to eat? Uh, and the nice part is we get to to monitor and then discuss. You know, how are you feeling after eating an entire bag of candy? Uh, so so yes, I think to to your point, uh, it's very important that parents. Be mindful not of their emotions always um, and how they treat others, especially in those learning moments, uh, especially how they treat their children. Are we discussing the, this conversation or are we making the person feel bad? Um, in my third children's book, Rohan and Naira and Big Sisters Bet, uh, it involves not a parent and a child, but two siblings, uh, an older sister and a younger brother. And the, in the story, the older sister comes home and says, you know, she has a football waiting for him and says, I'm going to throw the football back and forth with you. And while they're playing, he loves to throw the football with his sister. Uh, she says, I'll make a bet with you. And said, for every catch that we make, um, I will give you a dollar. And uh, you can decide when we stop. But if before you decide to stop, the ball drops on the ground, you lose all the money. So in the story, they, they, they start throwing back and forth and he starts making lots of money. He's, he's getting a, a dollar for each one of these catches and he's starting to think of all the things he wants to buy. His mind is going all over the place and his sister is staying very quiet. So letting him kind of you know, experience the emotion of what's happening as this money's coming in. And then she just asks, would you like another throw? And as he gets to, to a higher level, he starts to pause for a bit, but then the emotion of the excitement of making the money, the greed starts to kick in. And he says, oh, let, let me try for just, just one more. And she gives him a very nice throw and uh, he fumbles the ball. And in the end of the story, we, we see him sitting there looking at the football on the ground and realizing that all the money that he had just made because of his emotion, it wasn't something that she did. She gave him the choice and he made a choice. He fell. And uh, he wasn't upset with her. He, was, he wasn't upset at anyone else. He was upset with himself because he knew that he allowed his emotion to get the better of him. And law, he lost you know, everything that he had built up to that point. And why I bring up the story right now is that a key part to that story is at the very end, when he is there in that very difficult moment, in that very kind of 
very emotional, very kind of sad moment for himself. She doesn't come up to him and say, I told you or ha ha, or you should have done this. She goes up and just sits with him and lets him talk to her and say what she, what he's feeling and you know, what he learned from the experience. And then she says that I actually went through this too with my, with dad back in the day. So if there's a big lesson that parents can learn through failing, it's A, it is okay to allow your children to experience failure. It's a good thing um, as long as it's in a safe environment. But it's just as important that you know how you're going to respond and how you're going to use that failure as a a moment where they can learn and where they can have a conversation and not feel embarrassed or guilty or um, not feel like anything less than a superhero. Can you sum up what a healthy money mindset is? Yes, I would say that number one, um, money, don't view money as a thing. Money is just a tool. It is a way to uh, accomplish certain goals or dreams in your life. So when it's viewed in that fashion, you're not worried about how much money do I have or how much money do I need? Some individuals just say they want to be wealthy, but wealthy is such a a relative term. Uh, A lot of times when people just focus on money, they uh, take lottery winners as an example. Uh, They suddenly become very wealthy and they don't know the mindset is not there on how to actually use this wealth and use this money as a tool. So what happens to a lot of people that uh, inherit or uh, win the lottery or things of that nature is a lot. Many of them become bankrupt very quickly thereafter. They're, they're not they're not equipped mentally for that um, for that scenario because they they're not using viewing the money as a tool to make something else happen. They're just saying I have lots of money. I don't know what to do with it. I don't have a game plan around it. So I think that uh, that healthy mindset is a looking at money as a tool and b doing everything we can to help children. And this applies to money, but it also applies to healthy habits, to, to taking care of our bodies, to taking care of our minds, to taking care of our finances, recognizing the emotions that we have. And uh, we're all going to experience those emotions. We're all going to have really happy moments, really sad moments. But if we can recognize when we're in those difficult moments, and if we can pause and make sure we don't allow the emotion to drive our decision-making especially with money. And instead, we're allowing logic to drive our decision making, our our purpose, our our number one. uh, We often make poor decisions when it comes to money, when we're allowing emotion to drive our decision making. Uh, So the sooner that children can start to at least be aware of their emotions and be able to take that deep breath and to think back on the stories, um, uh, like the, the Owning the Dash stories or any other stories we've learned from the past of how, how am I going to feel not great at this moment, but how am I going to feel also tomorrow and the next day if I make this decision right now? If I buy this item right now, is it just making me feel good for this few minutes or am I going to be frustrated at myself the next day? So if there's two key takeaways, one is to view money as a tool and two, to be mindful of your emotions when it comes to small and big money decisions um, and to not allow others to dictate uh, or influence how you work towards your dreams, how you use money as your own tool, because everybody does things in a different way. And just because somebody else buys the nice car or gets the get, gets the, the the new toy does not mean that they're any better or worse than you are. They just made a decision with their money. And in the end, 
money by itself really has and, and all the things don't really have that much value it's how you feel about yourself and how you feel about your path that that really makes the difference in the end all episodes are available on our website at balllikeasuperhero.com and on your preferred podcast player please subscribe comment and like we'd love to hear from you toodles